I'm Lauren. And I'm Cheryl. And on this episode of Lit Chicks Read, we're chatting with Ivy Owens of Scandalized. We are so excited for the today's interview. We have Ivy Owens, also known as the Lauren half of Christina Lauren. So a lot of you love her books in our community here, and we just recorded Scandalized. And so we're super excited to have her on our podcast because we're longtime fans. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy fans. to be here. Thank you. We're going to call you totally fangirling over here. Yeah, totally fangirling. <laughs> totally. Um, we're going to call you low so that we don't get the Lauren and the, and the other Lauren confused. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I love it. So, um, yes. Major fangirl. I've read so many and, and I was so thrilled when you came out with this one because it's very different, I feel, from the standard Christina Lauren style that we all love so much. And I love it so much. So now I feel like I've got two, <laughs> you know, like different <laughs> different authors that I can, oh, right. We just, we just recorded about Scandalized yesterday, right, Shara? And we just, yeah, yeah. Just uh, last night we were, we were gushing all over again. It's been a few months now since we read it for the first time. Uh, and both of us were like, oh, I had almost forgotten how steamy this one is. <laughs> so steamy. I know you can't open a page without it having some sexy stuff on there. It's Literally. Like, no, I absolutely <laughs> love it. I have all of my, my pink tabs are the are this? Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> so I know you talked a little bit in the acknowledgements, but just, just in case anyone maybe didn't read that, please tell us what made you want to write this book, this beautiful book you've given us. Well, so I, I actually wrote this in 2020 during kind of the main lockdown phase. I live in California. And so it was super like where I was, it was like, you don't go out unless you need to get groceries or whatever. We weren't even really socializing with people outside yet. Some people were, but we were being really careful. And so Christina and I had just finished, um, I don't remember what book, maybe Soulmate Equation. I guess it'd be Soulmate Equation. Sorry, I was my brain. And, um, and we just decided to take a little break because we didn't have a due date for like six, seven months. And we wanted to kind of like refill the well and read and, you know, just take a little time off. But like, all of us during the pandemic were doing those things that are our comfort hobbies. So Christina spent a lot of time gardening. Some people were making bread or cooking or decorating <laughs> or whatever. And for me, that's always been writing. And so that's my positive spin on like not having any other hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> your, your day job is also your it. hobby. <laughs> I know. It's like I wrote for fun and then I left my job in science. And now I'm like, okay, well, what do I do for fun now? I mean, I guess I still write. So anyway, yeah. I had been watching a lot of K-dramas. And it was just kind of fun to try and like meld these two things that were bringing me joy, which was romance and K-dramas and sort of how to make that a story that felt like appropriate for me to tell, right? Like I'm not telling mm -hmm. it from the point of view of somebody in Korea, for example. Yeah. Um, and the story just kind of came to be fully formed. It was so fun to write. It was seriously the most fun, like five weeks of my life. I just, it just poured out of me. You wrote it in five weeks. That's yeah. amazing. That's impressive. I think that's the dream. I think when I went on when wow. I went on maternity leave, like in 2008 with my first kid, I was like, I'm going to write a book. Mm -hmm. And 
I did not write a book. <laughs> I mean, so, maternity I, leave. I read does a lot of books. I feel like you should give yourself some credit because that, that that's, that's no, like I a- know, but it's like you go into these op- what you feel like is such a you have so much time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, didn't get it done, but I think that's amazing that you did it in that time but and I it just flowed think- out. If I had told myself, okay, when we are taking time off, I'm going to go write a book, I would not have written a book because it would have been right. a weird mental pressure like this expectation. I wrote it basically for fun for Christina to read and my friend Kate Claiborne to read. Love her too. I, yeah, she's amazing. Um, and, you know, just kind of, I never planned to publish it. But then at the end, I got to the end and I was like, this sort of is book shaped. So I sent it to my agent, um, our agent, I should say, Holly Root, and was like, I did a thing. I don't know if it's worth like doing anything. She's like, I can sell this. And it sold. It just, I don't know. It felt, all of it felt very serendipitous. Did you send it to them like chapter by chapter as you were writing it? Or did you just like, you did. Okay. So they're like, when's the next one coming? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. I mean, it's, we, we were saying yesterday, it's such a great story. And what I feel like what, well, first off, Alexandra Kim. Mm. <laughs> like I was like, oh, this man is perfect. Um, but what we both loved about this, and I, I mean, Cheryl could speak for herself too. But what we mentioned yesterday during our recording was these characters are mature. Like, um, Gigi's what twenty seven, I think, and Alec is thirty three. Am I yeah. getting those ages right? Mm-hmm. Right. What stuck out to me so much the whole book is they are mature in their relationship, even though it started as like a one night stand kind of thing. But they communicate like. I feel like it's rare in a lot of rom-coms or just romance romance books that I've read in general. Like usually like sometimes the communications, you know, like not there. I love that Alec is just like, this is what I want. It's you and I'm making it happen. You know, like he's just very uh, like straightforward to the point about it. And I just ate that up. Like I loved their their communication and their relationship and just seeing it blossom. Yeah. Um, and it was, I feel like that's just really unique and interesting because a lot of books that I've read recently feature more like college age and like young twenties. Mm-hmm. I'm in my thirties. So it's super fun to read and I love it, but also like, it's not really relatable for me at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and I just loved seeing, okay, he's in his thirties and like, he's a man that knows what he wants and isn't afraid to yeah. say like, Hey, um, and in I- touch with his feelings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, it was part of that for me because I don't love reading insta love stories. And there's a bit of that in this one. But I think the way I tried to get around that, at least for my own satisfaction, because again, I wasn't like writing this with the intent to make it a book, was this that they had this common background that mm-hmm. that Gigi had been best friends growing up with his sister. And so Gigi was at their house all the time. So even if they as younger people as children had never had sort of a deep conversation about like who they were and what they wanted in life. They had the safety of knowing like, I know where you come from and I know like what you're built from. And so I think that for Alec, especially that was something that really allowed him to like skip several steps, you know, just who he is and the way he's built. Like he sort of wants to know the foundation of somebody's soul in a way. And I think just having like known Gigi when she was little, he knows who she is. So I really did love the way that they came together. And it was really fun to write the sort of like open vulnerability, like the fact that they had this really passionate first night and they just were like, well, we're never going to see each other again. So why not just get whatever we want out of this? Mm -hmm. And then that was sort of the foundation for where they jumped off after that. And the fact that she was like really hurt in LA 
I think was another thing that was satisfying to write. That was probably the scene I tweaked the most, the LA hotel confrontation, Mm -hmm. because I had to figure out like how mad she could be and like how to temper, you know, him having information, her being like scared about that because she's like, who are you? Like, right. I thought yeah. you were a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, information about the case that she yes. was, or the story that she was working on. Yeah. Yes. About the scandal. Sorry. And so I, it was just, it was really fun to layer in there kind of just being grownups, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I read that your parents are therapists. Or, yes. Or therapists. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, <laughs> I feel like that really gives you a good perspective to write people that are, you know, able to communicate about their emotions and like, yes, I'm sorry. And I realize that I hurt you and that kind of communication style which seems really rare like the miscommunication trope is is so well used it's kind right. of nice to balance it with this different view of like healthy yeah individuals <laughs> yeah I mean I for sure I have a lot I draw a lot of um inspiration from my parents marriage when I was growing up because they were so in love and they were so like they had their unit, but we never felt excluded from that unit. And they were really encouraged us talking about our feelings and expressing ourselves and being vulnerable with the people that you feel safe with. And, you know, I was, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of a core story because there's this sort of theory that like every writer is basically telling the same story over and over. They're just coming at it from different angles. Mm -hmm. And when I, and I realized that I've been writing that sort of soulmates or people who are destined to be together and sort of never fall out of love as my core story. And I realized I, so when I was in graduate school, I went to graduate school at UC Irvine for neurobiology and I was taking one of the seminar classes and it was about brain imaging. And the study basically looked at people who had been married for a really long time and people who were new newly in a relationship. So there was sort of the established relationship and the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. And they looked at um, through functional MRI, which shows what areas of the brain activate with different stimuli. They had people in the honeymoon phase were shown a picture of their significant other or um, heard their voice or um, asked to talk about them. And they looked at how the brain lit up in those situations. And then they did the same thing with people in the established relationships. And they found that the patterns were very different, that like over time, the pattern of activity in brains changes so that it becomes sort of more stabilized in certain areas and there's less activation in other areas. But there's a subset of people, it's about 5% of people in the established group whose brain reacts exactly the same way to their loved one as um, the brains of people in the honeymoon phase. And I remember when I read that paper, even though I was like focusing on the science of it, and that was the point, I, mm-hmm. I've always been such a romance lover. And I felt like that was the most romantic thing I had ever heard that like yeah. neurobiologically, there's a subset of people who never fall out of infatuation. And I think that that is sort of what I grew up seeing. And that's sort of the like the story that I keep trying to tell. So that's I think one of the reasons why Gigi and Alex's story was so satisfying was because it sort of perfectly expressed that piece that I try and always get across, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It totally does. And actually, I find that's actually a bit like meta because Gigi ends up writing a book about yes. soulmates that come yeah. together. Exactly. So it's like you have this story within that story. I think that's yeah. amazing. I actually was telling Lauren last night when we were recording that one of the the sort of, you know, the outside characters that I'm super interested in are Gigi's parents because we mm-hmm. don't really 
we don't really see a lot of them, but we sort of understand from what you've given us their relationship um, and what she thinks about her mom. And, and I was like, it's just, I really like them. We don't even really Mm -hmm. get them. And I love them. Like, I just love that peripheral mention that you have. And that makes so much sense with what you said. Please let me be in the 5%. I know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that is amazing. I almost just, I got like a little teary-eyed when you said that. I was like, wow, that's like so deep. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. so like cool to think that that's, oh, that's awesome. That's I mean, it's been a real revelation for, for me lately because somebody recently asked me what my core story is. And at the time when they asked it, I was sort of like, huh, that's a good question. And then I just kind of got my brain spinning a little and I started, and I like, I don't know why this journal article that we discussed in the seminar came into my head, but I was like, I think this is what I've been doing. And so I actually emailed that professor the other day and was like, can I take you to lunch? Like, I just want to talk about this paper again and just like have a moment back in this space from like, now that I'm writing romance and I have both the science foundation and this romance love, like, can we talk about the literature in this area? So that's so cool. I love love it. I mean, yeah, you, I feel you feel that in with Gigi and Alec. I mean, that was like a big, again, a big part of what we said yesterday. Like they, the third act breakup isn't really like, it's, it's kind of just more him almost like trying to protect her. She doesn't realize that right at the time. And I loved, we were saying how we loved when like Eden didn't throw out the bat phone. She just like put it in the drawer with Mm -hmm. like a handle and then she turns it on and it's him trying to get in touch with her. And then he's showing up the door and it's just like, okay, I knew, I knew you were good. You know? So yeah, it wasn't really a breakup, even though she thought it was right. It was just a couple hours of him. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. then she's like, fine. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. I know. And then she's like, we could have been going through this together this whole yeah. weekend. Like, <laughs> yeah. So we, I just love that so much about them. And we were also saying how the last line of the book is just so perfect and how he's like, finally it begins. And we mm-hmm. were like, that was just so like, so perfect. You just did such a great job. Like this. It's, <laughs> Thank you. And it's so funny. I read it. I think you guys sent me, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if this is an advanced reader copy. I think I might've gotten it. Either I sent it to you probably, or Kristen did is my guess. Yeah. I think maybe Kristen. Um, So I read it so like when it first came out. So again, reread it this week just to kind of be up to date with everything. And I was like, man, I forgot how much I love this book. Like, you know, (laughs) so good. It was so good. And I also loved, I do want to comment. I do love that you added the trigger warning in the beginning. We made comment of that yesterday too, because I feel like there's a lot of authors that choose not to do that. And I do understand why, but I, I think it's still an important thing to, um, to add in there. So thank you for doing that. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't, I could not imagine putting this book out without that warning, just because even though nothing explicit is shown, I think mm-hmm. the way that Gigi experiences like the video clips that she gets that help break the story. I think that could be triggering for some people. So yeah, absolutely. But I also love how, you know, Sunny, I we I just love how that that whole ending, like how Sunny basically just uses her story to, you know, for the good in the sense of like, I'm putting this out there, right? Her Angie, you know, and mm-hmm. to help others too. So I think there's a lot that, you know, while there is that trigger in there. Like there's, there's a lot of good that came out of that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we really love how you, um, how you did that. Are you gonna, do we maybe get, will we maybe get some more Ivy Owens? I feel like there's a lot of side characters in this book. We'd love to see. Like, I, I know. Love Eden I, book. <laughs> I know. So I have about a third of Eden's book written. 
Um, and I do maybe want to write a Sunny and Yael book, but the thing is like, I don't know when, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, right, yeah. obviously like my primary career is Lauren of Christina Lauren. And that's where I find like the most joy. Like we have the most fun mm-hmm. writing together. I have no intention of slowing down in that at all. Yeah. So it'll just be about like whenever she and I take little vacations or breaks sort of fitting in time to work on it. But yeah, yeah. it might not come you out think it- as fast as CeeLo books, but it'll definitely be there someday. That's okay. Does it feel different so far because this this one you're writing it with the intention that you might publish it as opposed to the other one it was just writing for fun and very like like flew out so yeah. far does it feel different or no yeah I mean it's I think it's different in part because it's just not like I don't have the time for it and so it's like in pieces versus just this sort of thing flowing out of me but when I do work on it it feels very like easy and fun and um I really love because I had the idea for Eden's book probably before I actually wrote Scandalized. I didn't Ooh. know it would be Eden, but I knew right, that I right. wanted to write this particular story. So it feels satisfying to be able to get some of that down on the page for sure. That's awesome. Love that. Yeah. Never when it, no, no pressure. We'll <laughs> open arms. We'll devour it when it comes. Absolutely. I, mean, see, I don't feel like it's funny. This has been like when it came out, I was like, I hope people like it. I hope it sells well. I don't have any expectations. Like I got out of this what I wanted to get out of it. And I just mm-hmm. am so happy that people are finding it. So like, I don't feel people have asked for the next books, but it's not like I'm getting a bajillion DMs saying, when is it coming? I don't feel this like pressure. And even if people were saying that, I don't think I would let that bother me because it's the whole That's process has just yeah. been joyful. Will you still publish under Ivy Owens, do you think, now that you've come out as Low? Yeah, because I think if yeah. it's me by myself without Christina, um, I'll keep that separate. And now people know that it's me. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah, I love that. I think it's I love that you. I feel like we've gotten a lot of authors recently who, when the world was shut down, <laughs> like d- wrote these amazing books. So um, I I feel like that's been a theme of a lot, right? We we mentioned mm-hmm. that yesterday too. And I, I mean, I love it because I'm like, good, give me more, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, well, I mean, I, yeah. And we weren't more. writing during that time, but we were definitely needing that like relief and distraction of a romance. Like our yeah. reading kicked back in at that time. Right, Lauren? Like yes. we talked about this, yeah. uh, that we were both always readers, but like really started devouring then. And that's the time that we came together. Actually, yeah. it was like uh, spring mm-hmm. of 2020. And like you and Christina, you know, we've never met in real life. You know, oh, wow. we, we just yeah. have this online relationship. And we met through a fandom, oh uh, through, the, through the Outlander fandom. I love that. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, we, gosh, haven't, I love that. we haven't I had our in-person that. moment yet. But yeah, we've never uh, met. It's That was something that came out of the, the pandemic, too. I think it's really cool how so many awesome things have come out of a time that was just like really shitty, (laughs) you know? And yeah, that is how our love for Outlander. I started a little Outlander Instagram and then we both, I picked up reading. I hadn't read like I read now in years and I picked it up and then we just read at like lightning speed together. So it's amazing. Oh, and and it's just, I mean, like my stack of books and that's the thing. I was like, there's, like you're always going to get another good book. There's so yep. many amazing books out there. Like you can't, yeah. you'll never be able to catch up with them all. There's yeah. always ones to talk about. So yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we've, it's just been really fun. So I love that we got this out of it. It's yeah. It's a product. Just, yeah. I love, I love that aspect of publishing and especially romance because it is a genre that moves really fast. Publishing moves pretty fast. And yeah. 
um, whether it's on KU and it's indie published stuff or whether it's traditionally published, you're just getting a lot of content. But I think the thing that new authors who feel stressed by that need to remember is that like books, they're not cars. Like people don't buy one every 10 years. And just like you're saying, if you find something you love, you want more of that. And so you go looking for more of that. So a friend or a colleague having a really successful book is good for everybody because it brings readers into the space. And so that's why I just think there's never any harm in just like lifting everybody up because we all benefit, you know? Yeah. You're not competitors, you know, you're publishing in the same area, the same genre, same space, but that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there've been books that um, you and Christina have recommended that I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, or just even if, even if I see like, for instance, how Helen, um, on the cover, I was like, Oh wait, I loved her books. Okay. You know? And so even just seeing other authors names and then, or like, Oh, okay. Well, if she's saying it's good, maybe I should read one of hers, you know? And so I feel like that's how I've found so many amazing authors Mm -hmm. in this space. So I love love that. I'm all about lifting others up too. And it's just, just a, yeah, I love it. I mean, when I met you, um, Sarah McLean was there mm-hmm. as well. And I loved, oh, was she? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, which was really cool. She was kind of like, um, the host of the, uh, interview and that was cool. Cause her books are great too. So it's just, it's just really neat how that all kind of works. So yeah, love it. Do you yeah. think it's, um, it's cut, is it unique in publishing that like the romance world is so women driven? Like, oh are, yeah. I just love it and how they like women lift each other up. You know, we had our very first author interview was with Robin Lee, mm-hmm. um, who wrote The Idea of You. And she talks a little bit about it in her book. And then we talked about it in our podcast with her, how, well, in her case, it's not a romance, but love story, uh, how they're written and how they're treated. Like, yeah. you know, it used to be kind of like, oh, romance, you know, like bodice rippers and Fabio on the cover and um, that kind of thing. Do you think that's changing? Like how romance is viewed and how products that women make and love are valued? Man, I could talk about this for 40 (laughs) hours. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I think it is a two-step forward, one-step back sort of thing because Mm. one, we're having the conversation now publicly um, on social media, out loud, proudly. It's not just this thing that we're talking about, like in a, you know, booth at a bar together, these frustrations that we have. But I think, you know, it, it's a bigger thing than just romance. It's it's like you said, it's anything that females, women, girls find pleasure in, which is, you know, mm-hmm. sparkly things and boy bands and romance. And these are things mm-hmm. that have traditionally been seen as frivolous or less intellectual. And so my frustration is always that we as a society tend to put a little bit more value intellectually on stories of suffering or pain versus stories of joy and victory mm-hmm. and relationships and, and communication, which Look are who wins the Oscars, right? I mean, which are like foundational aspects of community and, and our culture. And, you know, I think one of the things that people realize now, because the statistic is discussed all the time, but like romance is the top selling genre in fiction by a lot. I mean, it sells over a billion dollars every year. And it's more than double the next highest one, which is like thriller. So Amazing. We are making so much money. We're keeping, you know, the industry going and um, sort of have been quietly doing that for decades. So I, I <laughs> that think that doesn't sound uh, familiar at all, like women propping up the right, exactly. <laughs> the and, you know, the, the whole like, quietly in the background. <laughs> totally. The thing is that, like, romance, like I was saying just earlier, it moves really fast as a genre. And one of the things that I think we as a community are really concerned with is that stories focus on who deserves a love story 
What does that look like? What shape can love stories take? And that means that we are the, uh, sort of at the front of these cultural conversations about, you know, disability rep and queer rep and all sorts of, you know, inclusive aspects of the community and the culture that we want to bring into our actual real life space. Those conversations yeah. are happening first in romance. So I think there's a lot to respect there and there's a lot to really, you know, step up and say these things loudly. I do also sometimes think that we are our own worst enemy. I think, you know, when we use words like guilty pleasure or cheesy love stories or horny books, those kinds of things, I think, do us a disservice. Mm. And it's one thing to say it in the space of romance, kind of like with everybody who knows what we mean. It's another yeah. to give those words to the media. So I just think it's it's yes. important that we we have a sort of a private persona that we can share with our romance buddies and then a public language that we use carefully that sort of communicates the respect that we are owed as romance That's a writers. really good point. Like yeah. a part of the reason for our podcast name is, you know, Chicklet, right? It's a spin mm -hmm. on Chicklet. Yes. And Chicklet, Chicklet was used as kind of a, you know, I remember in the, you know, early knots, you know, the height of like red dress ink, you know, I had like all the red dress ink books lined mm -hmm. up on my shelf and Chicklet was sort of like a, a minimizing term. And I really feel strongly that it is, it shouldn't be. And that's part mm -hmm. of the reason of, for our podcast name is to kind of flip that. Yes. Um, and I love that, uh, you know, you're doing that. <laughs> I love that like the ripped bodice in LA, like they are yes. doing that. They are I like women owned, women run. They're like super mm -hmm. inclusive. They're a really great bookstore. Yes. And I think that that's good is like, we take back the use of those words and we sort of show what, what, who we really are by like taking the language that we didn't like someone else using. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I also love it. think, um, I know what's been said to me quite a bit is, you know, obviously there's very spicy scenes in a lot of these romance books we're reading. And I remember someone saying to me, well, like, that's kind of inappropriate. And I'm like, well, it's not though. <laughs> you know, I think, I think unfortunately romance kind of gets like a, almost like a negative connotation. Like, oh yeah. Like you said, like the horny books, like it's just. Mm -hmm. Smart, like shame attached. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. With shame attached to it. And it's like, no, that's actually not what it is. You know, like these books have like, yes. Okay. In Scandalized. Yes. There's plenty of spicy scenes and we love those spicy scenes. However, I think there's a lot to be learned within those spicy scenes, mm -hmm. right? You have a woman who knows how to communicate what she wants. There's nothing wrong with that mm -mm. <laughs> with your partner, you know? And then also just the overall story of it. Like, I mean, hello, like sex is just a part of our lives, you know, like yes. that, that shouldn't, there should no, not be shame attached to that, you know, but the book is not just sex. There's a bigger story. And then you have this beautiful connection between two people who genuinely have these amazing feelings for each other. So mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I remember kind of having to like go to bat <laughs> for romance books and being like, no, no, like it's not, yeah. no, <laughs> you know, there's so much more there. And mm -hmm. I think it's because that's how it's kind of been coined, you know? You know, and, we, yeah, had yeah, a, we had a we had um, an event recently where a, a woman who's a professor of English was at the event. She was really great. She's like, I love your books. I love everything you guys are talking about tonight. But, you know, one thing that always kind of pulls me back in a romance book is, isn't this unrealistic? And I sort of was like, okay, we need to dissect that a little bit. Because on the one hand, 
it is unrealistic that there are this many dukes in the world. It is unrealistic <laughs> that every man is six foot four. It is unrealistic that there are this many CEOs who have like really tender feelings, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it is not unrealistic to expect that you should be giving body autonomy, that you should, your pleasure should be prioritized, that you should have a partner who lifts you up and supports you, whatever your ambitions are, whatever your career is. Like there's a lot in romance that I think is wish fulfillment and sort of aspirational. And those are the pieces that I get are genre based and are maybe not realistic in terms of the general population. Mm -hmm. But the pieces that I think are sort of thematically always there, those are not unrealistic. And that is where we should set the bar. So like if you're saying romance is unrealistic because no man cares this much about a woman's pleasure, that is the problem, right? That is a problem. And that's what we're trying to address. So I, I do think when we are having conversations about well, isn't there too much sex in romance? It's like, okay, there might not be this much sex in your life, but we are showing you how you can have conversations with your lover about your pleasure. Take it from chapter one, seven, eight, 15, whichever one works for you. But these are examples that you can hopefully like reflect on, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like not everybody's going to end up being the assistant for the grumpy CEO who ends up bending (laughs) her over the conference table. Like that's not going to fit into my life. Right. However, there are aspects of like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try that at home. Or, you know what I mean? There's like, there's parts. Yeah. Yeah. Parts of the story. I don't just mean in the sexy too, but just there's parts of the story and the situation that I'm never going to become a different person. I am who I am. I, I'm, I've been with my husband for over 20 years. You know, that's not going to change. But there are the smaller, smaller, I don't know if that's accurate, but the other pieces of the story Mm -hmm. that I certainly can learn from and incorporate into my own life without, you know, becoming a different person. This is the thing. Like I'm married to a wonderful man. He's a biochemist. He's the smartest person I've ever met. As a romance hero, he would be very, very swoony. But I also see him when he's like, grumpy and leaving his socks on the couch and not making his side of the bed and dropping his towel on the floor. Like there are things about real life and marriage that I don't want to read in a book. Right. 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 (laughs) We're not going to write about those parts of the man. That's, we all have that. If we have a male, we have that. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't need to read about the the grumpy CEO, like farting, you know, like, yeah, then he just let one rip and be like, oh, okay, no, I just had enough at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to read not that. I'm, I'm actually trying to get away from that, you know, like, and just be in my own little world there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so funny. But um, such you know, good points though there, like truly. Yeah, I love you, it. Yeah. That, that really, um, yeah. What were you going to say, Joe? Uh, I was going to say part of the story that I loved. So we're talking about things that are aspirational and things you identify with. I identified with Eden and her fangirl aspect. Mm-hmm. Like we already talked a yeah. little bit about like, you know, I'm fangirling that you're here. And, you know, Lauren and I met through the Outlander fandom. Uh, do you, I know that you guys both, you and Christina, have started in fanfic, right? Yes. So we met started online. By writing. We were both writing fic. I had been writing fic since I was 12. She came uh-huh. to fandom a little bit later in life when she was in her 30s and recovering from surgery and just bored and like found, you know, the space where she could write stories. And um, yeah. And so now we've always been in fandom. I mean, we met in Twilight fandom. We, you know, <laughs> were like went to yeah. million one direction concerts and now we're you know of course bts <laughs> fans i mean i have like a yeah. picture of bts here you can see the feet right oh, here yeah. the dolls <laughs> I, love it. I, love it. I mean it's like it's a lot but like i 
nothing I, wrong with I, that. <laughs> I love fangirls. Yeah. Like, we all speak the same language, whether it's Outlander or Twilight or BTS or, you know, Raylo. Like there's this yeah. common current of like, like I understand you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Even if it's yeah. not the same thing. Now I'm going to yes. ask though, wait, are you team Edward or team Jacob? <laughs> okay. So our fit was always Edward Bella, but I think mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, you know, I have a different perspective on it. I started writing Twilight Fic because the last book frustrated me so much that I had invested all this time in this series. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Breaking Dawn? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so I basically was like, I'm going to rewrite this last book just for myself. And so <laughs> I, I did. That. Yeah. Um, but I think now I would probably more be Team Jacob because I feel like just from like a life perspective, it's, I don't know, oh. it makes more sense to me. I was up the best with those books in Me college, too. especially when I met my husband and I, remember I was we in my thirties. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we were driving. That makes sense though. Age-wise. Yeah. I remember we were yeah. driving somewhere and like they were going on a date and I'm literally sitting there reading the book and he's like, you going to talk? I'm like, Nope, I got to finish. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that. I love this so much. <laughs> uh, my friends and I were so obsessed with Twilight. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's when I got into fanfic too, because yep. uh, like you, I found, I was like, wait a second. We've been built up over all these books and we're fading to black. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I need to know what happened that well, night. <laughs> that, and then the next morning she wakes up and she's covered in bruises and hurts. So like yep. you send, you spend and three he- books that are like many, many hundreds of pages setting up your hero to be terrified of hurting her. Mm-hmm. He finally marries her and they have sex and he hurts her. And I'm like, yep. oh my God, that's the cruelest thing to do to your hero. Yeah. Truly. Yes. Was, yep. yeah, and I also was, minimizing yeah. her, like she physically was hurt, right. um, but also minimizing her uh, feelings about the event. Yeah. Right. Like the way yeah. she viewed it versus the way he viewed it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I will love Stephanie Meyer for all of eternity for giving right. us this book in this place where so many talented writers came in and were just like yeah. writing in a fever. I mean, you know, we have Alice Clayton, Amanda Weaver, Sally Thorne. E.L. James. I mean, I'm just trying to think there's like everybody started there, you know? And um, so it's, and she was very like quietly generous with that space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to, I want to say a word and then you tell me if you want to uh, elaborate on what this is. Okay. Uh, The Parka word contest. Oh my God. (laughs) Can I tell you the funniest story about this? Okay. So the, the Parka. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like maybe you found this in the Forbes. Is it Forbes or Atlantic that we were talking to? Yeah, it was the Atlantic article. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. So, okay, for anybody was, listening that doesn't I know what we're I laughed out loud about. reading it. So in Twilight fandom, all of the Edward characters, it's Edward. And so it would be some, something word. So for like example, Tara Sumi had this really wonderful series, The Submissive, The Dominant. And it was, and so he was Dom word, right? And um, Helena Hunting's book, she had clipped wings and inked armor back when she was writing fic. It was tat word because he was a tattoo artist. So just for example, mine was bliss word because my whole fic was just focused on like making Edward like have the life that he wanted and he like deserved and Bella too, of course. But so bliss word, tat word, dom word. So there was the, the way that Christine and I first started writing together was there was a contest which would occasionally happen. Somebody would host a fic contest and they would get together a panel of judges and they everybody would submit. And then you, it was a good way to get exposure or to write something for fun. So there was this parka word contest and the parka was this joke about foreskin. So the idea was that parka was like a, 
a word for foreskin. And so the only thing that was required in this fic was that the Edward character was uncut. And so Christina and I wrote this really lovely chapter. It was the first thing we'd ever written together. We met at Comic-Con. We're like, let's do this, you know, competition together. It'd be fun. And we wrote it. And it's basically about this doctor without borders and he's in town just for a little while and the woman across the street and it's just like it's called it was a little crazy that's what it was called it was really lovely his foreskin was like half a sentence right but it you know it qualified for the (laughs) the contest and it did really well it won but we were disqualified only because like for reasons that are mostly about like we already had too many votes it was just people loved it it was great so we were like okay we can write together this was so fun so years later we have how many published books at this point? We've been writing together forever. And we're talking to the freaking Atlantic. And they're like, how did you get started? And I'm like, foreskin. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. I think it's hilarious. I don't know what. And I remember just Christina, like later she called me. She's like, I cannot believe you said that to the Atlantic. And I was like, I know. You know what? Now, I feel like that just makes you even more lovable. <laughs> You know, I like, totally agree. Like, oh, I was like, this is the best origin story I have ever heard. <laughs> the thing is like, and you guys know this because you're in fandom. Like there are some things that happen in fandom that like, you just sort of don't even think about how weird it is. And yeah, then oh, you, totally. you're explaining it to someone on the outside and you're like, oh, this is really weird. But like, we can give you an just... example of how, <laughs> yes, we have. So <laughs> I'm this is going to sound weird yeah. as I explain it to you, but like, we all get it. So Outlander is our fandom, right? So we are called the Obsassinax, like obsessed Sassinax, because have you seen Outlander? Or read or just yes. know the basics? I've read the yeah, first yeah. few books and I've seen the first season of the show. Okay. So, you know, okay. he calls her Sassinax, right? Yes. Okay. Obsassinax. So we, I think, I don't know who even started it. Oh, you know what? We did these funny- One of our- One of our community members- she was hilarious. She would, we did like zoom calls or lives and we would have people come on Instagram live with us. And she would come on with like the wig that looked like, you know, one of the characters. Bonnie Prince, Bonnie Prince Charlie's, Bonnie Prince like. Charlie's wig and all this stuff. Anyway, we did, we had like a holiday party, right? Zoom, yep. zoom call. And she made a golden corn trophy for the winner of whatever the trivia the was. trivia contest yeah and the reason being is Dougal McKenzie says to Claire at one part that he's actually being very aggressive with her and is trying to you know do some not so nice things and he says he wants to grind her corn and so we took the corn and the corn it's literally been a thing now this trophy is literally a traveling corn trophy it's become like the sisterhood of the traveling corn i'm not even kidding there's like a list of people we send it to and then they get the corn and they show their town like things in their area where they live the corn yeah. now has a kilt a satchel a beard and a sporin. oh my gosh sporin. Sporin. it's literally two, two wigs because it's gone to two different hairdressers i yes. gave him a passport because i'm in canada <laughs> you're canada um <laughs> He it's has his own Instagram thing. account and it's an amazing bonding thing. So it travels yeah. among the group and we get to see like where people live. And, uh, and it's the funniest who, thing. didn't Duncan hold it? I think we have a picture of so Duncan. So I brought it. So I went yes. to a fan event for Outlander. Oh my which, God. Which coincidentally happened literally like less than a block away from the Seattle Marriott where these guys have their one night stand or their oh, what's man, supposed yes. to be the one oh, night stand. Yeah, like, yeah. Just around the corner is where this event was in January. Again, a weird thing that you wouldn't understand if you weren't in fandom when I was telling people I was going to this event and meeting all these online friends, yeah. people I'd never met in person. Like They're that? like, you're <laughs> doing what? 
<laughs> sounds and very weird as you're saying. It sounds weird. And it, I had the corn for that. So I brought it. And during oh, the panels, God. I like, you know, had it with me. And you're like taking pictures kid- of the corn in front of the panel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I did. I did. And yep. they were so funny about it. Some of the actors are like, is that a dildo? Or like, you're that like, looks pretty phallic. No, and I'm like, but. No, no, but that's literally the point of it. That yes. is phallic. Um, <laughs> and then we had a photo op with the guy, Duncan, who plays Murtaugh. And mm-hmm. he just like literally grabbed it, holds it in front of his he knows. Yes. yes, he oh knows. But it was yeah, just so it was funny. The funniest thing. And in and like you said, if you try to explain that to anyone who's not in a fandom, like they're like, you do. They're like, oh, what? Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, no, but there was people like you know, other girls that aren't even in our group who like had heard of it and came up to me and like, can we take our picture with like, the corn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like famous. Uh, corny is what isn't it, right? <laughs> yeah, oh my funny. gosh, yeah. that's so funny. It's very and we funny. actually we a bunch of us went to Scotland this summer, and so a bunch of us met in person. And uh, so we have a co-host, Rebecca, who's a design professor at um, the Ohio State University, and she designed everybody a flat corny, so that we could all like have our own corny for photo ops yeah. during That's this so adventure. It's just like it's it. we get the fandom. Fandom's <laughs> yeah. amazing. It is. You know yeah. what? And like it's not. It's just, just it just brings you joy, right? Like yeah, it's, it's just like don't yeah. take yourself so seriously. Have fun yeah. with these things. Meet like-minded people. We just love it. Yeah. But also, like, just to be clear, like dudes do fandom too. They just do oh, it yes. in a way that's like much more like kind of I don't know, like sus- fantasy like, football or fantasy, or like they go to a Vikings game in purple shirtless. You know what I mean? Yeah, like right. They, they yeah. do this too. It just oh. it, it looks just as you know crazy from the outside, but. Right. I literally, I have yeah. someone in my life whose husband is so obsessed with Star Wars. Like he's, and he's like well into his forties, you know, but like that mm-hmm. is his thing. And right. she's always like eye rolling it. And I'm like, it's just, so now I'm always like, oh, I just like Ruggable came out with Star Wars rugs. I was like, hey, you should get this for him. Yeah, like, totally. He love it. Support <laughs> his fandom. Yeah. Totally. So, you yep. know, I mean, you know what? If it's it funny though. Happy, you do you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So one of our some of our best friends, the guy is super into Star Wars like that. Like he has, um, you know, the ships hanging from the ceiling and like a triptych of the Millennium Falcon in his TV room. And he's super he has multiple really fancy lightsabers, like really mm-hmm. fancy. And he makes fun of me for my fandom. And then he's what? like, oh, what's what smutty book are you talking about this week? Or, you know, like and I'm like, dude, who are you to talk? Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> That but that goes back to what you were saying. Like it's like if we do it, it's like you know, like with the romance again. Like the romance, it just has that yep. we have to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. And you guys are doing that in your writing, you know. So you know, it's so funny when you say that about your friend because um, when, you know, I mentioned Christina and I met at Comic Con in two thousand nine, and we were actually there for the New Moon panel. So a bunch of us who'd been writing fic, they I, I had everybody come out because I organized a fanfic and fan art panel, and so they all came out. And we all met there. And we were the first night, it was like Thursday night. Thursday was the new moon panel. So I think Wednesday night, we were all like sleeping out on the sidewalk to get into the panel for the event. And a group of guys walked past us and were like, you know, making fun of Twilight and like, oh, you're sparkling vampires. Blah, blah. And Christina's like, you're dressed like an orc. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I love her forever. <laughs> I can see her doing like, that. Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. Oh my you God. said you were writing a fanfic when you were 12. What, what yes. were you writing then? I was writing Days of Our Lives fanfiction. Oh, <laughs> love Days of Our Lives. Dual. I didn't okay. know that's what it was at the time, but I was writing Days of Our Lives fanfiction. I have to tell you a story. So I think we might be the same age. So I have a very clear memory 
from like my sort of later elementary school years of coming home after school and finding the show on TV. And it was, um, I don't know if we'll see if you remember this storyline. It was like Victor Kiriakis yep. had kidnapped Marlena and yes. was holding her on his island. Yes. And it like cut to commercial. And, and I was Roman. like, Roman, where's Roman? Yes. <laughs> and and I ran upstairs and I told my mom, I'm like, I just found the coolest show. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, that I watched Days of Our Lives while I was pregnant with you. So this tracks. <laughs> and I oh ended up watching God. it. The storyline. I ended up same. watching it for years. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yeah. And loved it. And it actually reminds me of like why I loved something wilder or like, romancing the stone you know mm -hmm. it's like that has the love but there was also these adventure pieces these and i was so pieces. in it yeah <laughs> see i didn't watch days of our lives but i got when i was uh home i'm i'm maternity leave got really into general hospital <laughs> and it was funny because my mother-in-law was like i watched general hospital i was like oh, okay yeah and then she's like is sunny still getting everyone pregnant and you know it's like the same yep. storyline was legitimately the same as it yeah. was like years yeah, yeah, ago yeah but i never they're so addicting they're so fun oh but like uh, you know yes. even as a 12 year old i was like well i kind of want to see jack and jennifer like making out more or like I want to mm. see Patch and Kayla, like you know. <gasps> Patch and, so and I would Kayla, just, oh my I would gosh, just you're bringing me back. <laughs> and they're so cute. I had tweeted something because I have a lazy eye. I'm blind in one eye, and I had tweeted something about how like seeing him in a love story was so like emblematic to me. Like it was so oh, important for me developmentally. Talking to about see a, representation to see yeah. a romance hero who like is blind in one eye and like seen as sexy and swoony. And like granted it wouldn't it wasn't the female character, but I think that didn't matter to me at the time. Like I just related to it. And I had tweeted like how important that love story was to me. And he replied oh, that actor. So and cool. I just remember like sending it to everyone I knew like this is the best day of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love so that. Great. That's so cool. Awesome. I remember uh, I came from a science background like you. So we were both nurses, actually, me and Lauren both. Um, and I did marine science before that. I didn't go to grad school, but I worked with a lot of grad students. And uh, I remember one time I was working, I did marine mammal rescue. And so I was taking calls for like animal, they're reporting animals that were in distress. And it was like an, the guy on the end of their end was, I don't know if you know, remember this, but it was Terry Jacks from the Poppy family. Oh my God. And, and I was like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> literally like freaking out trying to be like I took the call I did my thing and then I called my dad and I'm like dad can't you I just talked to because <laughs> that's like we listened to that constantly growing up right I was like I was like this is the best day of my life I just yep. talked to Terry Jacks that's so cool <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> well our um oh. hero in so Fizzy's story is the one that comes out next May for Christina Lauren I am so pumped for that yeah, you, yeah i'm sure you'll get it soon because arcs will be going out soon i think this is my favorite book we have ever written i love really? this really so much yeah i'm yeah, yeah. so excited oh yeah. we're and, gonna have um, to get the two of you back here to talk about it yes we would love to oh, but he awesome. is so okay. the hero he is a documentary producer for um films about like marine conservation marine oh, mammal conservation before i he love gets it sort of roped into this like you know reality dating show he ends up he's like what am I doing um but yeah you just made me think of that I think you'll like Connor oh my god yeah. well, yay I oh, oh I'm so excited yay yeah. okay I wait just I remember at the at I remember someone asked you guys that when I saw you for something wilder um in town yeah. and that was what I think when you first I mean I'm sure you had announced it pre previously to that but I remember everyone was like oh yeah, no, I think we just announced yeah. it on that tour and we had just turned it in like 
the tour started, I think on the 16th or 17th yeah. of May and we turned it in on the 15th. So we were like, send, get on a plane. Yeah. So. Now, will you do another tour for that book? Yes. All right. I got to, I got to email or get, get in contact with RJ. How does that work? Do they reach out to you? Yeah. So usually they have, um, we have stores will uh, um, approach our PR team okay. and then based on the request, they'll try and build an itinerary to hit the ones that, you know, I mean, that was, I felt like a huge turnout. I mean, it was a really great to another, another place. So, um, hopefully we'll get oh you. Oh my God. That was so funny too, because that night it was like us and Sarah and Adriana Herrera was there. Yes. Yes. And we were so hungry afterward, but like everything in that time. I told you. Closed. Yeah. I know. And so we like found some shopping, some um, grocery store and we had like literally three minutes. We like imagine like us peeling into the parking lot, coming to a screeching stop and like (laughs) bursting out of Sarah's car and like. We each grab a cart and we yeah. do like this sort of supermarket <laughs> grab thing where we're just I like I love those game shows. In. Like grab one. Yeah. And then we had <laughs> enough food for like three weeks for a party of 10. Like we <laughs> yeah. left so much food in that bun breakfast. But oh oh my yeah, gosh. I remember you guys asking that. And I was like, oh, you're in the wrong town if you I want know. to after this because everything shuts down on the short. No, we made it work. It was so Fine. fun. Oh, I have to talk to uh, some Vancouver bookstores then to get you guys. Yes. The okay. So we do want to go to Canada. We were talking to our French Ooh. publisher, our French, our Quebec publisher, I should say, because he yeah. works with our French publisher and he's going to coordinate with Simon and Schuster Canada because we want to do like Montreal, Toronto, you know, Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be so. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Oh, I- I'm so excited to hear that. Yes. Yeah. Very I'm good. so excited that you were able to spend time with us today. I know. Thank you so much. Thank this you was really fun. Much. I mean, you guys, yeah, this this has just been such a treat. Again, we, we're fangirling because we just love you so much. So thank you for coming on and <laughs> chatting yeah, with so us. Lovely. And we're excited to see what Ivy has in the future whenever that happens. And Me too. Also, <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> so, yeah, you know, I mean, we're just, we're here for it. I literally have loved everything I've read from you and you and Christina. And I just thoroughly love every time you put something else out. So thank you so much. Super excited about it. So thank you for joining us. Yes. This was super fun. I appreciate you guys. This is a really good conversation. Yeah. And then hopefully, yeah, hopefully when Fizzy's book come out, we can get the the two of you you on here. Easy. Anytime. Awesome. Wonderful. Awesome. All right, guys, you know where to reach us, subscribe, um, wherever your whatever podcast streaming service you are listening on. And um, be sure to follow us along on Instagram. And of course, we will let you know um, when Ivy's next book comes out and when Christina Lauren's next book comes out too. You know, we're always sharing over there all the good stuff. So thank you again. And we'll chat with you soon, though. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.